0: Hello, everyone. This working okay? All right, great. Good to see y'all today. That, what we just sang there, remember that, because I'm going to cover that at the end of the sermon. <laughs> okay, so, so that's, so that, that's going to come into play today. Uh, but before I get to the sermon, I just want to say hello to everybody. It's, it's good to be here. What a, I'm glad it's not raining today. When I was driving, I, I was praising God that the rain happened yesterday. So we do have to drive through it today or tomorrow for for Sabbath. Uh, just, uh, I guess, as an update for what we're doing online, our online presence, our advertising, Armor of God, uh, the things we're doing in Tyler, all the different outreaches we're doing are working. We're actually, I, I could show you numbers and go with, there's a lot of people that we're getting in contact, people are coming to our church because they find us on the internet, they find our things on the website, and we just have to be ready <laughs> because i know they 're going to come because <laughs> I see I see there 's trends and we 've actually developed and we 're developing plans on things that we 're putting online that, that kind of helps people if you 're interested to kind of find out about all of what god god has has to teach and that's that 's a good thing that we 're doing so I, I thank you' all for for supporting that definitely and so it's, and again it 's a lot of fun being able to uh, to have people call and talk to somebody new. <laughs> and to correspond and people who watch our webcasts and tyler's continues to grow every week which is which is great but today i guess uh, talking about what we just sang it's kind of which is, i think is great because that's that's what i want to talk about today i want to talk about repent repent because that's what to me that's what the, these days of unleavened bread are about to, to a degree uh the when we when we keep the God's holy days, and, and the good thing about God's holy days, as opposed to the world, what the world does holidays and stuff. And again, and I don't want to really be down on holidays, but what God does in the holy days is that when we when we do something, when we when we take the unleavened, they take the leavening out of our house, and we eat unleavened bread, we're we're doing a physical thing that that reminds us of what our what we should be doing spiritually. And and, and, and so the, so these days, I love them. Because they really help us, they keep us. God has the plan that way. They keep us focused on what He's doing with us. I know the first time I eat unleavened bread, maybe I don't know it's for y'all. The first time I eat it is when for, during the year is at the, at the Passover. Is that, at the Lord Sunday Passover, that's the first time I eat it. I don't I'm not I don't normally eat unleavened bread. <laughs> you know, nor, normal thing, but that's the first time I, I taste it, and I, and I, and, I, and, I, and it reminds me of Christ of his broken body, of what, what he does for us, and what, he, what he's been doing for us for, for the whole time. Now, so I wanna talk about repent today. Do you remember the first time that you repented? Well, I'm gonna tell you about the first time I repented. At least that's what I thought. When I was, in, I guess in a religious sense, because maybe I repented uh, in other senses before that, but in a religious sense, I was about eight or nine, and uh, I had started attending a church Drew a church bus program, you ever heard, everybody ever rode a church bus? The church bus, there was a, I was out playing, so I was eight or nine, I was out playing one day and there was a a guy, his name was Brother Rick Berlin Brother Brother Rick Berlin and he was the 1974 U.S. Karate Champion And So that was pretty impressive for a kid out playing. Here's this guy, he was the United States Karate Champion uh, in 1976, he traveled 3,526 miles cross-country on bicycle, uh, spreading the gospel as he understood it. And so I, so I was like, "Well, that's you know that's an impressive guy," uh, kind of like like a Forrest Gump or something. I mean, he, he's going across the country on a bicycle, and he, and he and he gave us uh, he gave me an autograph picture. I don't I don't know what I did with the autograph picture of this this brother, brother brother Rick guy, but he was he was he was it was kind of an incentive for for a kid out playing. We got this uh, Sunday school thing we can take you to every every week, and uh, that's where I would go. And so 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 I remember I would go there, and it was it was Sunday? It was Sunday keeping church. So I so I guess at eight or nine I had probably what very little knowledge of the Bible. Uh, what, what do we know as kids? We know we know a little bit. We know what our parents we we've seen some things on you know, uh, TV. Maybe read some 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 books and stuff. And I think I had a little. New Testament, you ever had the little New Testament, just a little small one, which is, I guess, easier to carry when you're a kid. <laughs> I had that from when I was really little. And I think once I started going to this, my, uh, my uncle gave me my first King James Bible, the full thing. I was so happy when he gave me that. When I, when I started going to church, and he was happy to see me go to church. So I had very little knowledge of the Bible. Uh, but but the, to go to this, to this church through the Sunday school program, uh, there was promises of toys, uh, games, uh, they had a hot dog day, which probably probably wouldn't claim, but they had a hot dog day, water gun day, and they had all types of enticements to go to this church. And so Brother Rick was a fun guy. He was, he was a fun guy. And there must have been several hundred children at this children's church. I, remember, I mean, hundreds of kids in there, and it, it was fun. And so this was the first time that I remember hearing that I was a sinner. Was was you know that's the first time that's my first experience with church religion. so you're a sinner, and I'm not sure exactly if I knew what sin was at eight or nine, but I was convinced after they had like an emotional altar call that I was a sinner. Y'all ever had an altar call? Experienced an altar call? That's something they we don't really we don't do that here in 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 God's, you know church. We don't normally do that, but it was they did an altar call. And I guess I had been—I mean, I guess I had been disobedient to my parents. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was. <laughs> I was disobedient to my parents, and there's some things that I'd done. So there's some things to the kid I could probably say, "Yeah, I need to repent, be a better kid." And so I went forward in this altar call, and I, and I guess also another thing that maybe probably was a motivator is they talked about this thing called hell, and it was really a way to scaring me in the coming up because I don't want to go—I didn't want to go there want to burn. And really, as a kid, gave me, scared me to death, like a lot of, like, you know, that was, that was probably, we started going to church, and now I'm scared all the time about burning in hell, so I got to repent. And they, every time I would go, every week, they'd have an altar call, I'd be right back up, <laughs> up front, at the altar call, because I, I felt like, man, I don't want to go to hell, and it was just a continual cycle. Now, when I now, so, so this is the first time that I did that. But when I when I when I and I, and I believe that I gave my life to Christ at the time, and and I and I would say I did. Because I dedicated my life as a child to serving Christ and whatever He He would lead me, and He led me here, <laughs> led me to His church. But I wasn't. I'm not sure I understood what repentance was until 15 years later, when I was baptized, and and, and actually it was it was it was done uh, by a minister in the Church of God International in Birmingham, Alabama. And now by that time, I knew I was a sinner. I knew it. I knew I was a sinner. I was about 23, so you can understand that. And, uh, And I was committed to following Christ by being obedient to his laws. Now, I guess 22 years later, so it's been 22 years since that happened. So that gives my age, I'm 45 now. So 22 years later. Repentance is still a part of my life. I'm not, you know, I, I realize, you know, I'm still not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect when it comes to unleavened bread, as far as, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've found bread in my house, even though I've searched every nook and cranny looking for bread to dry out. Oh, if I find this bread, it's like, well, I'm not perfect. You know, and, and, and something, real, you know, something comes to my, my attention. But, but, but being in the church, by following God, is a total way of life, a complete way of life. And we are being refined to be, to be like him. I'll turn to First Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 6. First Peter 1 verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of y'all are still turning there. (laughs) It says, uh, Being... More, it's more precious than gold, right? We have various trials in our life. So, so if, 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 how many of y'all have been to church for a pretty good while? We, I think, we, you know, I think, 20, you know, for me, 20, you know, whatever many years I've been in church. Pretty good while. And, and who in here has had trials? I've had a lot of trials. I had cancer. And so cancer... <laughs> brought upon medical trials, uh, family trials, financial troubles, <laughs> trying to pay that back, because because it is expensive. And all kinds of trials. and we've had even, as many, as we've also had shortcomings, right? We've all fallen and done things we shouldn't have done. So we had various trials. He says that the genuine, genuineness of your faith, right, the genuineness of our faith, being genuine in Christ. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, right? We're tested by fire. This world is difficult. And I didn't, I didn't realize that when I was a bad adult. Hey, all right, I'm going to be baptized. It's through sailing. I gotta, I'm going to have a it's gonna be an easy life. I'm in God's church. This is, is going to be great. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> There's trials. Because we are tested by fire. We're, at the glory of the revelation of Christ, whom you have not seen, you love. And the reason why, you know, when you when you when you when you when you purify gold, right? When you purify when you purify gold or metal when it's refined, what do you do? You remove the impurities until so it becomes better and better gold. I mean, I may have been like one carat gold, but That's the kind of lowest. Or one carat gold, which is whatever that is, at the beginning, maybe get better five carat gold or you know twenty two carat. Or but you know we get. As, Christ, as we go through our life and Christ works with us, as we put out sin and we become more like Him, we become more and more purified by these trials. God, and if we're not, then we, we, we need to think about these days and, one, and ask, why not? Why are we not changing? Why are we not re, 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 repenting? Because repentance is a change is, 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 is what it's about. And it's a change of heart. Complete change of heart. In Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel thirty-six and twenty-six, he talks about repentance, and he talks about. It says in in verse twenty-six, "I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone. Right, and the heart of stone, you know, stone rock. He's saying, you know, just the callous, evil heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh." Verse twenty-seven. This is, this is this is what this is what it's about. This is what about the, these days are about. This is what our, our life is about. Verse twenty-seven. I will put my I will put my spirit within you. Right, when, before we are baptized, the spirit was was acting upon us to bring us to repentance, to bring us to Him. But when you're baptized and the laying on of hands, God puts His spirit inside of you. He says. I will put my spirit within you, and cause you, he says, and cause you to walk in my statutes. Who's doing it? God is doing it. it says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will. It says, you will keep my judgments and do them. <laughs> so you will do it, and I know how he does it because he, because he refines us, the Holy Spirit. Because you ever done something wrong? <laughs> feel pretty bad about it, don't you? God God will 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 let you know about those impurities. Because God is refining us. He's removing the impurities. And, and definitely during Unleavened Bread, it's about the end. I mean, I mean, some people may go out tonight and buy a cheeseburger. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I normally would, after Unleavened Bread, like, Unleavened Bread's over, I'm going to go get a cheeseburger tonight. It'll be alright. It's over. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not now, because I'm, I'm going I'm to actually diet but, again, so I'm not going to eat a cheeseburger. I'm going to eat my salad that I've been doing for, 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 for a while now. But that's kind of like what it is. Oh, yeah, this is over with now. We get back to this, the good stuff, so, so to speak. But the thing about, about what I've learned from unleavened bread is most of it's just as good or better than regular bread. Isn't it? Isn't that so? I, I know uh, the first time I kept, I kept unleavened bread, when I actually lived outside of my parents' house, I had to clean everything out. And when I realized, if there's not any unleavened bread in your house, you're not going to eat any. <laughs> right? That's pretty good. So if it's not in there, you're not going to eat any. And what do we do? We, re- we replace it. Replace it with the leavened. replace it with the unleavened. And you got so you have unleavened bread. What are you gonna do? You got to eat the unleavened. It's what God does in us, right? We take out things that cause us to sin, and we're, we're refining. We're looking for things in our lives that cause us to sin, sins that we do, and we got to get those away from us. Just as, as Christ, you know, says, "If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Cut your hand off if it calls, you know, if things that cause things that cause us to offend, like whether it's people. You know, some people that I love, I love them great people. I can't be around them anymore." They, 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 t- they take me the wrong way. Or whether it's things we watch or things we do, things on the internet can cause us to sin and can bring us to those things. So God is refining us. And God is doing a tremendous work in us. He says, I will do it. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it's a letter that Paul writes that in many ways sets forth to correct the Corinthians on various sins. <laughs> so if you read Corinthians... <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in there. But really, he's having to correct them on a bunch of stuff. They had confusion about how to keep uh, the the Passover. They were keeping it like a meal. Uh, They were not doing it in a worthy manner. Somebody may have read that somewhere at some point recently. If we know, we already read it ourselves. They were confused about spiritual gifts in in the Corinthians. Uh, And and they were suing other brethren. He says, you you know, what are y'all doing? Suing each other. They were suing each other. And so there's a lot of things that Paul was actually giving correction to them, and we benefit from this because we don't live in a perfect church, do we? And who's to say that the Corinthians were any more uh, any more along than we are at this time? You know, because they had their growth and they had their problems, had things. You know, they're a church, and there was a group of people that God called out for a purpose to put His Spirit in them. To prepare them for the, for the kingdom. And I think God, and so, so everybody has something to work on. Uh, let's go to Revelation 2. Revelation 2, just a couple of verses of Revelation 2. You know, in the, in the letters to the churches, the, the Christ, you know, says here in Revelation, he's got, you know, unless you're a Philadelphian, which a lot of people, they want to be. But don't assume you are. Because these are written to all churches at all times. Revelation 2 verse 1, uh, you know, it, it, the church of Ephesus it says. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, verse 1, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those that say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. They've done some good things. They could, they could discern truth. And you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. So they were doing good things. So, so, so as we grow in God's strength in Christ, as he's refining us, we do good things. I hope. We, do, we, we change. We, I know if I look at myself 20 years ago to myself today, yeah, I've changed. There's, there's, been, there's a difference. There's a difference. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love and, and then again you can read all these things there's different things from different churches and probably in various points of my life I've probably fallen into probably every one of them <laughs> every one of those things have been written for me <laughs> to, to learn so, we, so in, 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 the, in God, reading God's word and, and one of the things I've always learned or ta- or that was taught to me was don't believe what a person says, believe what the Bible says somebody says this is true, I'm going to see what the Bible does say. I'm going to look in there and, and find out what it, what it says. So, 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 so for me, one of the first things that I think I figured out was that you shouldn't eat certain things. So that's what it says in Leviticus. One well, of the first I didn't know nothing about the Sabbath, but I said, hey, Leviticus 11 tells me not to eat the pork. <laughs> so I'm not going to eat the pork. And so forth. And so, I, so, so, what I did is I looked through, and things that I found out, and then said, "Oh, the Bible says this." And, that. and so we, we searched and compared ourselves to the Bible. I hope, and we refined. All right. So let's go to First Corinthians uh, chapter five. So here's here's an exa- example that relates to these days that is given to them about you know they need to repent. They need there's some things that they need to change. So in First Corinthians five verse one it, uh, it says it actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality that is, even, that, that is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife so again I won't get graphic or go in detail about that but that's pretty bad that's a pretty bad sin that, that somebody is doing that in that church in the church and I, I could say I could be surprised but I've been in the church And I've seen things as bad as that in churches. People act that way. It was happening in the church. And he says, you are puffed up. Right? Using the language of unleavened bread, you're puffed up. And have not mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, I have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, he says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. And that sounds like, what is that talking about? It's pretty simple. He's just saying, you know, you just need the person who can't be, part, can't be assembling with your church until they repent. How do we know this? Because we we're going to read later what actually happened. After they, they, they did these steps, and I, I've been in the church for a while, and I never had to tell anybody not to come to church. So nothing like this has ever happened, at least, at least when I've been around. Never done that. And there's some churches that will, that will, that will, that will for, for the smallest little thing, will, will kick you out and won't even talk to you, or even explain why they did it. I mean, they'll, they'll shun, they're shunning. And so this is not talking about shunning somebody, about being cold and not acting Christian towards them. This is talking about helping that person. Because this person had a terrible sin, and as we're going to see, they were complacent with it. They weren't helping this person in their actions that they were having toward this person and his sin in the church. And he says, Deliver him to Satan for destruction of flesh, that his spirit may be saved. So, God, you know, so Paul was looking out, for his best interests, and so, so, and, and, and it's funny, and, and, I, and I understand this, but I never really understood it fully, kind of, until something happened on the internet uh, just a couple weeks ago. Where uh, is anybody here use Facebook? Some people use Facebook, probably some don't. But and there's, a, ever use like an internet board or something like that. Well, we have a discussion group for the Church of God International, has has about a thousand members, which is a lot of people from all over the world on our Facebook discussion and people will share prayer requests and different pictures and nice things. And so the group has decided, and not me, because I, you know, it's not my group. I mean, I just kind of moderate it, but the group as a whole, the church says, "Hey, we decided we don't want to have people debate on this on the site or talk about other doctrines. We just want to talk about what we believe because that's what we want." I said, "Okay, we'll keep it that way." Well, I had a guy on there who was starting one of the debates. He wanted to say, "Hey, you think you, you believe this and this, and wanted to debate and get into arguments and stuff and cause you know strife." It's like, well, and I told him, I said, "Well, that's okay if you want. There's other places you can do that, but here we want to have a group of this fellowship and prayer, and they don't want that. And I don't mind it. I don't mind debating somebody, but the other folks don't want that." And then so he gets on and he does something else, and this guy keeps writing these messages. I'm trying to you know, talk to them and say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't, shouldn't do this because you know, this may cause offense. And then uh, I post a sermon that was done in Tyler a few weeks ago, and he completely just trashes the person who gave the sermon. Trashes them and talks terrible about the person's sermon. And talks about, about the person. And again, if you would talk bad about anybody in the group, we don't allow that. You don't just attack a person. I say, hey, you know, you got a problem? You can talk to the minister himself. I'll give you his number. And so, so as part of the rules of the group, I had to, I had to kick him out of the group because, cause, cause I don't want new people and people were bring it, that was coming along to see that kind of behavior in a group that's supposed to be a church where this guy is just trashing and saying terrible, ter- I, I think it's deleted enough where people didn't read it. I hope saying terrible things. And so, so, so he was outside of the group. Now, what I did do is I went and sent him a message and said, here's why I put you out of the group. And I explained it to him. I said, "So this right here was not fair to him. You know, you're supposed to go to the individual. And I gave him some scripture. You're not supposed to take it before the church until you go to the individual and so forth. And, and you know, I talked with him for a couple of days. And so, so, so when, I, when I kicked him out of the group, I didn't completely shut him off. I left some communication open with him. Again, and this is different from the church, but, but this just kind of relates to this. And so after a couple of days of talking with him and getting to know him a little, little bit and, and discussing things with him and answering some questions, he sends me a message and he says, I am completely sorry for what I said on, you know, on the Sabbath when I wrote this thing. He said, I was having problems and there were personal problems and I, and I lashed out and what I did was completely wrong. And I was like, wow, I've never seen anybody do that <laughs> on the internet. I said, wow, and I said, what did I do? I say I say well, you want to come back in the group and be a part of it and so, and since he's been back he's been you know been been doing, doing well so, so 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 and that applies I guess that applies to the internet. maybe it applied to what happened in Corinthians that somebody because and he said and what he told me which which was he said he was he felt really sad that he couldn't have the fellowship anymore and I was feeling really sad I don't want to keep nobody out of nothing <laughs> I just want the I just want to have a good group that people can 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 praise God with alright so verse 6 verse 6 here in in chapter 5 it says your glorying is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump right a little bit of leaven I I don't cook but you know if you cook a little bit of leaven boom you know you can get a lot of leaven you can get some big bread therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us it says, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So, so this man had a grievous sin, right, where, you know, where, where it was explained there. And the church was accepting it, so that was their sin, to accept it. And they were kind of, uh, they, were, they, they, they were helping him, they, were, they weren't helping him. You don't, you're not helping somebody by not letting somebody know. And I've been in the church long enough, I've done some things you know. Uh, the people will come up to me and say, hey, Jeff, you probably shouldn't do that. And I thank them for doing that. You know, it allowed me to mature and to... I probably could still do things. You may come up to me later today. Jeff, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but correction is something that we should, and as we'll see about repentance, that we should kind of want to have. But the, re- the results of what Paul wrote in that letter to the Corinthians... Specifically in things, historically, ended up in repentance. They repentance. How do we know? Second Corinthians. All right, the second letter. He says they, they actually repented. The church repented. And this man, it's the man. He came back and, and, and got over that terrible sin that he was doing. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we want to look, at, look a little bit there and see see this repentance and see and see and and we can learn by what they did towards our own repentance and and how we we come before God 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 verse 1 says therefore having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God perfecting holiness so we can move towards that perfecting it says open your hearts to us we have have wronged no one we have corrupted no one we have cheated no one I do not say this to condemn for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together great is my boldness of speech towards you great is my boasting on your behalf I am filled with comfort I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation for indeed when we came to Macedonia our bodies had no rest but we were troubled on every side outside were conflicts inside were fears nevertheless God who comforts the downcast comfort us by the coming of Titus and not only by his coming but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire your mourning your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more he says, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, and he did. I bet when they got that letter delivered, oh, they got got a letter from Paul. I was going here, whoa, oh, you know. They, <laughs> they were probably feeling pretty bad after reading that letter. and said, oh, we're, we've got some things to do. And they probably, like any any adults, discussed it, figured out a way <laughs> to, to fix those problems. He says, I do not regret that I made you sorry, though I did regret it. Because, again, who, who wants to uh, Correct somebody. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. Verse 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. Who's going to be happy about somebody feeling sorry? There are people like that. There are people in churches, they just love to make people feel sorry. And leave it at that. That's not what we're about in God's church. Because... He wouldn't he, because he made him sorry, though only for a while. He says, I, "Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance." They changed the church, and that was a big change. You know, dealing with this man, dealing with the other things that he talked about. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. In nothing. So now, when I think of repentance, and what we sang earlier, who do you think about? Who's a good example of somebody who repented? David, David King David, because King David did some terrible things, and 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 we're called. What are we called to be in God's church? We're called to be what? Kings and priests, part of God's family. Same thing with David. He was a king. It's the kind of responsibility he wants every one of us to have. David, he's you know he's he. Saul or Bathsheba Babin did some terrible things, committed adultery, had her husband killed, but he repented of these sins. He repented. Second Samuel twelve was, and again, I don't want to, I don't into want to delve in the sins because who wants? You know, I feel bad that David now everybody has to keep reading over <laughs> David's sins for David. When we see him, we're going, we're going to love to see David in the kingdom, but. Let's go to where he repents of this in 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12 and read about David's repentance. Verse 1 in 2 Samuel 12. And read up one verse in the chapter before that. In chapter before that it says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I mean, because he committed adultery and he had a man killed. And the way he had the man killed is like he's like, well, we'll send the battle. And when he gets in the battle, y'all kind of leave him there in <laughs> we'll, retreat, and he'll get killed just like anybody else dies in battle. And for God, you know, a lot of times when we when we sin, kind of like with David, we'll make up reasons why that sin's okay. Well, you know, he died in the battlefield. That's all right. Or we'll, or we'll think of ways to hide it or or keep it, you know, keep it keep you know keep it from coming out. And, 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 and that's what, that's the way sin works. David was doing all those things in, in the degree that I hope nobody here has done. And it displeased the Lord. First, and so, so we get chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Remember what we heard earlier. God gives you his spirit, and he will cause you to obey his commandments. That's what he's doing for David. That's so what he's doing for David. Nathan is, is acting as God's, you know, acting along with God's spirit to bring this repentance. And he says to him, he says, there were two men in one city, one rich and another poor, verse 2. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in the bosom, it was like a dollar to him. So it was like a pet. You, know, get the, you I mean, a pet lamb. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. It's like, who out here has a dog or a cat? It's like, it's, like, it's like somebody taking your dog or cat and feeding it to, your, to a traveler. You know, that's my dog and my cat. I love it. Because I've, I've had dogs that I've loved, my dogs. And I've been in tears and had some, some, you know. We love our pets. We love our animals. That's, that's how this man feels for this lamb. Which is, the, you know, and, 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 and to go out <laughs> and, and kill that, that's terrible. So this makes David angry. So David's anger, verse 5, was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. (laughs) This is describing the situation, right? With what he did. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul... I gave you to the master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah and if that had been too little I also would have given you much more why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight you have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword you killed him even though he did it in an indirect way you killed him with a sword you have taken his wife to be your wife And have killed them with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword will will never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives, and so on. So he he talks about some some terrible things that will happen here. And so in verse 13, so So David said to Nathan, you know, after, after this, after he realizes his anger, he was angry at himself he says, I have sinned against the Lord I have sinned against the Lord so do you remember the first time that you actually repented I remember in the church, but I remember when I realized that man I gotta change God, God wants me to, to do all this and I'm not I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not obeying him and, and a lot of us, it was with tears and with it struggle. And it, was, it, was, it was a difficult time the first time we repented. Do you remember the last time you repented? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's the same, isn't it? It's the same. That, that, that we, when God convicts us, like he did David, he will cause us to repent. Repentance is a gift from God. It was a gift to David, it is a gift to us. It is God's gift. To make us like him. So it's back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So we're going to tie this in to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Uh, in, in chapter 7, in verse 13, it says... So, in verse 9, it says, I'm sorry. He says, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led repentance. We had read that earlier. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss for, from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world is, I got caught. (laughs) I'm sorry. We see that a lot with politicians. We see that a lot with a lot of people in the the criminal system. I'm sorry. But, you know, godly repentance is different from that. It's not being called, I'm sorry. It goes beyond. For godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation, that leads to change in our life, to being like God. For, for, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a, in a godly manner. He's going to give different aspects of repentance. I'm going to redrew it, then I'm going to, I'm going to highlight each one of these aspects of repentance. Because these, these things that he says that the Corinthians did, this is, this is what David did. This is what we have to do. It's as far as repentance if we want to repent. We want to remove the leaven away from us. He says, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you prove yourselves to be clear in this matter." Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered the wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. So he talks about, I'm going to highlight seven attributes of repentance that we just read here. Seven attributes he talks about. And the first one he says, they had diligence. They were diligent. And diligence is, what's right. With God. Even though I've made mistakes, I'm, I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to correct. You. The second is clearing of yourselves. He, said, he says, What diligence? What clearing of yourselves. And that's that's cleansing ourselves. Yeah, because you've done some things wrong. You don't really want to that that does not need to be a part of who you are. So the thing about sin, and the reason why leavening is so dangerous of sin is that if you have a, a sin in your life that you're, you've not repented of that sin will lead to more sin and more sin and more sin because you by nature are a sinner and so if you have that sin in your life that's not repented of that you haven't changed it would be, it'd be an endless cycle of sin but when you clear yourselves when you clear yourselves you take that sin and and, and, and the blood of Christ, sin. And so I don't have that guilt, and I don't need to have it a part of me anymore. That sin's not a part of me, because Christ has taken it away from me. He says, verse three, what indignation, indignation they had, uh, angry, right? Wouldn't wouldn't little lamb and he was angry at himself you're angry that you sinned against God I mean you don't want to beat yourself up being that angry but you know, there's, 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 there's where, where anger can be like I can't believe I did that can't believe I, I have done this way the fourth one is fear this is what fear that they had you know, it's fear of the Lord respect of God's authority respect of his law we fear the law I don't speak anymore I used to speed when I was younger guess why I don't speed anymore because it costs a lot of money because <laughs> I have a, you know, I have a re, I respect for that law now because I know there's consequences involved so I know in the sins that, the, that God has, has been lucky to give me repentance of things I've done in the past they, they have consequences David, he told David, say, here's what's going to happen this, these things are going to happen even though you repent of them the consequences are still there <laughs> And so, I have fear that I want to do the right thing. A uh, vehement desire. I said, "What vehement desire they had?" And that's having passion towards correction. I looked it up, and that's what the word. I guess that's the best I can get from the Greek, is that means to have passion. And in other words, I want to be corrected. Why? Because that's, God, that's, that's the nature God wants us to be refined, to be like Him. Number six, he says to, to the Corinthians, you had great zeal. And zeal is great energy and enthusiasm. Because when you repent and you, turn and you change, don't beat yourself up. Just use the energy, use the Holy Spirit, right, the zeal of God to change. It says, what vindication? Vindication. And in the, in the, in the Greek word is closer, the, the, the word actually is closer to means punishment. And even though we repent, there are consequences. And we have to accept them. I mean, because we, if we go out and kill somebody in the church, and somebody may have done that, I'm sure somebody in the church of God has killed somebody. We can repent of that, but we should also go to jail and serve our time. Because we are going to accept the consequences of that. that. That, that you know, he says. And even though so you can repent of something, but still, sometimes you have to say, "I got to uh, pay for." You know, I got to live up for what I did. You know, you got to you got you got to do those things. So all these attributes we see in David, we sang about it. So let's read it. Let's read it in Psalm fifty-one. All these attributes. That, uh, these seven attributes of repentance, we can see from David in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 1. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God. Oh, let, me, let me read first. In, the, in my Bible, the King James has got a little note up front top. It says, To the chief, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse 1. It says, Having mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. So I see a lot of those qualities. You know, he, I mean, he wants it remove, He wants it cleared. He says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. So that's some diligence. That's some zeal. He says, Against you, you only have I sinned. That's right, That's fear. The fear, you know, fear of what God does. And then is evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak. And blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. It says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. So that again, that's the the zeal. We should be, this is a holy day. If anything we should be on a holy day, we should be rejoicing. We we, 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 We should be praising God for his son, for what he's done for us. Praise him for that unleavened bread of Christ. Praise him. Praise him for those things that he has done for us. Make joy, right? We want to hear joy and gladness. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. David said, he did that. He did it right here. He's teaching us. He's teaching us in that psalm. He's teaching us about what was written about him. So we learned, we, we've learned through his mistakes. He says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, and they shall offer bulls on your altar. So, that, so that, that's, that, and that's, that's something to, to, to dwell on, is that psalm. On the, on the repentance that David had, the repentance that the Corinthians had. So as we are here in Unleavened Bread, as we are replacing... You know, we replace the, the leavened. Cause sometimes I mix that up when I'm talking. You probably heard me say that a few times. Replace the leavened with unleavened. We got to replace all that all that sin out there with Jesus Christ, and He's going to do it for us <laughs> if we let Him. And we got to let Him. We got to let Him work in our lives and praise Him for that forgiveness repent what he tells us to do